Hello everybody, welcome back to Shadow on the Water. I am so grateful to have you here again. I'm, I really am just thrilled about this podcast. I love it. I can't wait to have special guests. I've got awesome people lined up. To tell you the truth, I have these awesome Holy Spirit friends and uh, when we talk, like we'll have a phone call, it'll go for two hours, and it's so full of the joy of the Lord. At the end of the conversation, I think, my gosh, 10,000 people should have heard that conversation because it was so full of truth, so full of encouragement, and God just ministers to us through each other uh, that it's just wonderful. And it's really the reason... Um, one of the main inspirations that kind of led me to believe that I could do a podcast. So, today I would like to talk to you about uh, trusting in God. Trusting in God. Wow. This is like kind of where it's at. <laughs> and um, I'd like to set the bar high. Um, I just ask, the, ask you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, to come and rest on each person listening right now. Rest upon me. I ask that you minister to their hearts while I'm speaking. Come in real time in the moment that they're uh, listening to this and minister to them. Open their and renew their minds. Soften and relax their hearts. Melt their hearts. Bring them, give them fleshy hearts and uh, reveal the love of the Father through Jesus to them. Reveal Jesus to them that they could gaze at his face. Let them experience the joy of the presence of God, I ask in Jesus' mighty name. And I ask you, Our Lady, and uh, all the saints and angels that follow and accompany her that are our body in, uh, in heaven, come and be a part of the body and just pray over us and minister to us in the ways that God has empowered you to while we uh, talk and listen. Awesome. So just keep your hearts open, folks. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. And I ask you, uh, you guys listening, open your heart and just let the Lord minister. Okay, this is a time set aside for him. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, this is fun. I love it. Um, to trust in God. Wow. To trust in God. So, um, the first thing that's coming to my mind is um, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve trusted in God in this way. It says at the very end of the creation story, they were naked but not ashamed. They were naked but not ashamed. The word for naked in Hebrew is arom. So it's ayin, resh, mem. And it can be thought of as a word picture. I like to think of Hebrew words as word pictures because each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, is its name is a word that has other meanings. And each letter descends from a pictogram from ancient times. So the ancient pictogram for ayin is an eyeball. And the word ayin means eye in Hebrew. The modern Hebrew letters, so the Hebrew letters were affected by you know, the different cultures that they encountered, like the Phoenicians and 
uh, also the Babylonian exile, and uh, they, they went through these, the alphabet went through major transformations, and so they have these modern Hebrew letters that look quite different from the, the um, ancient Paleo-Hebrew, and then even before that, and then all the way back to the pictograms, but, um, but there is a beautiful, beautiful uh, mysticism with that um, the rabbis have um, delved into with the Hebrew letters. So the modern Hebrew letters also have beauty in them. I mean, really astounding beauty. And when you look at them through a Christian lens, wow, it's like breathtaking, the beauty and the depth that is all revealed and brought together and um, unified in Jesus. So um, I love Hebrew. I love it. It's been blessing my faith. It's been building it's been just really a part of my prayer life and about how I've been uh, interacting with Scripture. It's just kind of re- totally renewing. And I'm just kind of giving the Lord the liberty to kind of, you know, I'm not trying to become some Hebrew scholar. I just let the Lord point out one word or one verse of Scripture. It all started with Psalm 23, and uh, uh, somebody gave me a prophetic word. Um, this lady named Song Bei, she gave me a prophetic word. Psalm 23 is important for you. That was it. So I went uh, to go pray with Psalm 23. I thought it would just be like a one-day thing. And uh, as I sat to pray with it, the Lord told me, I, this is what I heard, okay, from the Lord. And it's when I say I heard from the Lord, I'm saying, somebody put a comment. I think it was Don Collier put a comment like, what do you mean? You know, can you clarify that? When I say I, the Lord said, I'm saying I got received an inspiration heard that still, tiny, quiet little voice interiorly, and then it bore fruit in my life. So I am convicted it was from the Lord. So there are other little inspirations and voices that that happen in my head. Sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes it's just me. But they don't bear fruit, or they bear fruit in desolation, or in just accusation, or whatever you can tell by its fruit so when i said the lord said it's i'm on the back end of a story where uh, i've received an inspiration and then i've gone i've gone through a story a whole narrative where it's born incredible fruit and brought me into greater peace and greater joy and greater truth you know um so that's what i say it's not like i hear a voice and i just know it was the lord sometimes it's true sometimes a, a, a voice interrupts my thoughts and it is just so poignantly just God and my heart explodes with the joy and his presence and I'm like in tears sometimes that happens but a lot of the time it's just this very still little quiet voice and um and I and I and I only have that conviction after I've watched it bear fruit so in this case I sat down to um pray with Psalm 23 and what did I see or what did I hear in this little voice Hebrew I just heard this tiny little voice say Hebrew so I'm like, so, so so you want me to do, you want me to pray through this in Hebrew? And I just felt this stamp of approval, this just like movement in that direction, like an invitation. So, uh, all right, so I started. And it ended up being uh, like a whole year I spent with Psalm 23 in Hebrew. And uh, I would take one verse, and then God would teach me experientially in my life what that verse like the depth of what it 
what he wanted to show me through it. And I know there's a multiplicity in God's word, so there are many levels of, uh, of uh, interpretation. But what God wanted to form and shape in me through that verse, he did experientially while I was learning it in Hebrew. And the Hebrew just kept me really slow and also gave it a new context. So back to a Genesis Aram. So this word for being naked but not ashamed. This is my interpretation of it. An eye, ayin, resh is a head, um, means to begin. So bereshit is in the beginning. It's uh, the word Genesis. It is the first book of the Bible in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, so you have ayin, resh, and then mem. And this is how I saw it. If your eye is on the, so resh means head, so it can mean like the top or the beginning. If your eye is on the top or the beginning, the top, and mem is water, of the water. Your eye on the top of the water. This is how, this is how experientially I, I experienced it. I went fishing with some Amish guys <laughs> who were working on my house. They invited me to go fishing with them, so I went fishing with them. And uh, we're sitting on the water, and as we're sitting on the water in Lake Michigan, I'm just like, it just struck me. Here we are just casting into the water and hoping something comes by and takes a fancy to what we've thrown in there. And then, you know, we can't see it. We can't see anything. We don't know what's down there. We're just just a chance in the wind. Just cast out there and see what happens. See if something catches. And But we're, what we were looking at, what we could see, was like a barren parking lot. Our eye was on top of the water. But there's all this depth and mystery underneath the water. There's a whole world down there. What do they call it? They call the the sea, the uh, the unex the last frontier, the final frontier, unexplored place is the um, the sea. Because we can see so far into space, and yeah, there's unexplored regions of space, of course. But um, the oceans, the depth there, this is just filled with mystery. And if you think of ancient man looking at the top of the water, and then going out in a boat and just casting a net out and just hoping something swims into it, right? <laughs> There's all this life down there. There's all this there's a whole world down there and our eye is trained only on the very top. So it's kind of like we're left out. It's, and so there's this um you know to the Jews the upper waters are the barrier and there's the lower waters we have some access to. The upper waters are completely inaccessible and there's just the um the depths of mystery that we could never attain. Now Jesus, that's why there's that beautiful scripture in Matthew chapter three when the, the, the uh, sky is schizoed, it is ripped open, torn open. And a voice, you know, the dove comes down upon him and a voice says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus tore open that veil, which was then uh, um, reiterated when he died on the cross and the, the um, veil between the holy of holies and then, you know, between the sacred and the profane, basically between the torn and schizo, same word, schizo, torn into. So he gave us access to the upper waters, to the mystery, right? Here's um, this idea of naked without shame. So arom, so this word for being naked, your eye is on the surface of the water. It's ayin resh mem. Um, think about a person 
you sitting there where you're sitting, you are filled with depth. The Catechism says your heart is beneath the, your psychic drives. It says um, in uh, paragraph 1776, the voice of God echoes in the depth of the human soul. Echoes in the depth of the human soul. And how we have this law transcribed there of God. There's, this, there's so much depth in you, but all I see is the outside, right? All we can see is the surface. Aram. So this word for being naked. The word for ashamed in Hebrew is boshosh. And boshosh, the connotation there is actually to be delayed to the point of being confounded. That's what it actually means. To being, de being delayed to the point of being disappointed or confounded. They use the, that exact word when Moses is on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights receiving the law. He's, he's gone up through a cloud, so they can't see him. They don't know what's going on up there. They hear the thundering and all that, and they know he's up there, and they're like, this man is Bashash. He has been delayed to the point of being confounded. Let's just forget about him. And they say, Aaron, can you just build us? A, uh, a god so we can worship that <laughs> like we're just giving up on Moses he's Bashash he's not he's not ashamed no this man has been delayed to the point that we're never going to see him again let's just forget about him you build us a a, a, a golden calf Aaron okay you, does that make sense so they were naked but not ashamed they were naked Adam and Eve were naked they were their eye was only trained on the surface of the water like they were on a bare parking lot and underneath the water is all this mystery. But they were not ashamed. They were not, they were not delayed to the point of being confounded. The, that mystery that was down there would be revealed to them. There was no question in their mind that, that it was being kept from them. They knew it would be revealed, but it would be revealed through relationship with God. So the serpent comes and he shows the tree to Eve and, you know, he says it's, it shows that it's like good for eating and um, there's this line, a tree desirable for gaining wisdom. Vanachmed ha'etz lahaskil. So the word lahaskil, to make one wise or to gain wisdom, the root word is sakal, for wisdom. It actually means to be circumspect, to see from all angles. So Eve was, as she saw that this fruit would allow her to bypass relationship with God in order to gain access to all that wisdom, to make her circumspect, as God was obviously circumspect. The serpent was able to convince Eve that she would not die, but then would become like God, and Eve was... Now Adam and Eve had to grasp at something in order to attain what they already were, which was made in the image and likeness of God. They already were like God. But the serpent convinced them they had to perform for it, and, then, and they could do it outside of relationship. And, uh, you know, hence this whole, we have to toil for, for uh, value. That's what came in the world through sin. But later in Deuteronomy, God says, um, he says to them, if you obey these commands, I will give you sakal. We translate that in our Bible as prosperity. I will give you prosperity. But it's the same word, sakal, to be circumspect. It's what Eve thought she was going to get by eating the fruit. It was lachmed ha'etz v'yiskal. So it's 
um, it was desirable for be, getting sakal, getting to becoming circumspect. And God says, I'm just, I will give you that if you obey my commands. In other words, to, what is to obey his commands is to listen to his voice. What is listening to his voice? Receiving the word. What's the word? Jesus, right? Like, stay in relationship with you. Remember, what did Jesus say? He said, you know, those who receive me receive the Father. Those who receive you receive me. It's like, when we receive the word, we receive the Father. Father wants to communicate himself to us through the word. And he wants to draw us deeper and deeper into relationship. So that's what obeying the commands is. not just like doing the law. It's, it's hearing, receiving God's very self communicated through the word. In relationship. So this idea of trusting, to trust God that he actually, there is no, Jesus himself said there, I said this in a previous podcast, there is no, nothing is secret except to become manifest. Nothing is hidden except for it to be shouted from the rooftops, right? Everything will come into the light. Everything. There's no mystery that will be um, kept a mystery for the sake of being a mystery. But God wants us to trust him and let him reveal to us over time. Let him reveal to us through relationship. Trust first and in relationship, deeper and deeper revelation from glory unto glory unto glory for eternity, more and more and more. With God, there is always more to trust, to trust God. So this is like the foundational uh, problem of, of humanity is that we just didn't trust God. We didn't trust. We grasped. That's why I think it's in Philippians that he says, De deeming equality with God something not to be grasped at. That's, that's that image of Adam and Eve grasping at equality with God. In order, uh, deeming it not something to be grasped at. He emptied himself. Taking human likeness, sorry. Becoming obedient. Obedient. The words in Hebrew for obedient also mean to listen or to hear. Shema in Hebrew. To listen or to hear also means to obey. So to obey these commands, listen to these commands, listen to these sayings, listen to these words, listen to the word. God, he spoke creation into existence. There's something about that breathing. What is the Holy Spirit? Ruach. And uh, I think it's pneuma in Greek. They mean spirit, but they also mean breath. So how does God fill you with his love? He pours his spirit into you. How does he fill you with life? He pours his breath into you. It's the same thing. So receiving his love and receiving his life and receiving his breath are the exact same thing. What does breath carry? It carries words. Why does Jesus say... Um, uh, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no because words have power words communicate they or they facilitate communion they communicate they facilitate communion they communicate profound so um there's this element of like listening to god hearing him and by hearing him uh, saint paul says faith is in the hearing moreover hearing a word from christ you want faith you have to hear God speak it to you. He's, you have to hear him. Hearing the voice of God is just so important.
important in the life of faith. Hearing him speak who you are and who he is and expressing his love for you. It's all about intimacy and relationship and growing and growing in that. Okay, so to trust God, to trust him. In Genesis 15, um, Abraham is really upset because he has this, um, all of these possessions and all this sort of, he's really built, a, um, he's been successful right and he has uh, servants and he has livestock and he has he's a pretty rich guy and he but he's upset because he has no one to leave all of his possessions to and they're all going to go to his uh, his head servant well the first thing God says he says do not be afraid Abram I am your shield your very great reward but Abram's upset he says oh Lord God what can you give me since I remain childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus so God brings him outside and he says, look to the heavens and count the stars if you are able. Then he says, so shall your offspring be. And uh, a few paragraphs later, it says the sun went down. So we get from that, we get this understanding that it was daytime when God brought him outside. Now look to the heavens and count the stars if you are able so shall your offspring be. Often we think like, well, there's too many stars to count. Well, actually, it's he can't even see the stars. He can't see them because the sun is out. However, he has seen the stars before. He saw them last night, the night before. He knows the stars are there. He just can't see them. That is a communication of the Lord to him. You can't see your offspring, but they are there. Okay? You can't see them but know that they are there. So it says then, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And this comes back in the epistles. Uh, James refers to it, and I'll get to that in a second. But amazingly, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When it says he believes God, we kind of imagine, well, he just believed him that one time. Okay, I'll believe you. And then it was credited to him as righteousness, and then he went off in his life and did whatever he did, and it was just the belief. But that's not true. The word amon, he amon God, and it's when we say the word amen, it's derived from that word amon. Uh, it has other connotations and meanings. It also, it means to believe or to support or to trust, or it translated as faith or faithfulness. Um, but it also means to be a foster father or a foster mother. Isn't that crazy? So when Jonathan, uh, his son, so that Jonathan is Saul's son, okay? When Jonathan's son was being carried, uh, like there was, like when the, the monarchy was switching and um, the, 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 the lady who, the wet nurse who took care of Jonathan's son was afraid, so she picked him up and she ran out of the house, she tripped over him and, and hurt him. She, she maimed him, and he was maimed for his life from that. That woman, it was his amon. It was his amen, his foster mother, so to speak. Okay, That word also means foster father, foster mother. So think about this. Abraham believed God. Abraham foster fathered the promise. A foster father or a foster mother receives somebody else's child and says, I will take care of this as if it is my own. 
I'll wake up in the morning and check on it and feed it. I'll take care of it and watch over it throughout the day. I'll put it to sleep at night and make sure it's safe and I'll educate it and I'll bring it uh, safely to where it needs to go. Abraham became the foster father of the promise. He foster fathered the promise. He took the promise with him and made his decisions around the promise. Isn't that amazing? He didn't just believe God one time. He said, okay, I will adopt this promise as if it is my heir, as if the promise is my heir. Incredible. So Abraham believes God. He, he took it and, all right, I'm going to actually take a risk on this promise. I'll take risks on it. I'll build my life around it. And it says it was credited to him as rightness, righteousness. That word credited is chashab in Hebrew. And that word actually means to plate or interpenetrate. And it uh, can mean to weave or interpenetrate. So he became the foster father of the promise and it was woven to him as righteousness or interpenetrated to him as righteousness. Think about that. That's something that happens over time. God wove it in righteousness into his life. God created the unfolding of Abraham's story. He actively in power influenced and sovereignly wrote the story of Abraham's life such that it would every situation would bring him into deeper relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is right relationship with God. That's incredible. So it wasn't just credited to him like, oh, that was a righteous thing you said that you believed me, and then they just went and did their thing, and then later Isaac showed up. It means that Abraham was actively um, foster-fathering the promise. He, he believed it day in and day out. He carried it with him, made his decisions around it, and God then in his sovereignty gave Abraham righteousness by, think about this, there are people that I have met in my life, I can I could recount for you, <laughs> there are some people that have, I've crossed paths with and they have absolutely blessed the living daylights out of me, okay? They brought me closer to God, they've filled um, just the way things have unfolded, um, they've just been a huge blessing and I've found myself uh, in a whole different place because of them. There are people I've met in my life who have brought a lot of chaos and a lot of <laughs> a lot of pain. Okay, there are situations in my life that I've encountered that have um, blessed the heck out of me. There are situations where if I had had faith, I mean, for instance, there was somebody, you know, it's part of my testimony story, but there was a moment where I told God to get out of my way. And then I met, I, I was in, in high school, I said, get out of my way. You keep interrupting the flow of my life. You're stopping relationships. And God was protecting me, but I didn't see it that way. And I told him to get out of my way. So he did. And uh, some people came into my life that damaged me. I would say at the time, I said, I thought irrep irreparably. But God has blessed me and put me back together because God heals, right? He's so powerful when I invited him back into my life. But my point is God in power can come and he can, when you believe, when you receive his promise and um, foster father, He, when you trust him, amen means to trust, okay? When you trust him, 
Abraham trusted God. Abraham believed God, and it was woven to him as righteousness. And God wove into his life day in and day out through his sovereignty, wove situations that brought Abraham into deeper and deeper um, relationship with God, deeper into faith. He, he, as he said, as St. Paul says, um, I think it's in Romans, all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, God in his power uses everything, all of history, all the unfolding of events for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He wants you to succeed, and he will sovereignly do it if you trust him. He wants to give you sakal. He wants to unveil the mysteries for you. He wants to give you everything that he has if you, ha if you trust him. He can't give it to you if you don't trust him. There's this line in the catechism on the creed, I believe in God the Father, the Almighty. It says um, on that section, it says, uh, if you do not believe that God is almighty, okay, we, the church has to say this, has to say the creed every Sunday. Whether you feel like saying it or whether you really do believe it or not, they say we're going to declare it. We're going to use our will and draw ourselves to some higher thing and declare it in faith and reinforce that truth in us. I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty. The, the catechism says, this is what I was trying to get at, if you do not believe that God is Almighty, you will never believe that the Father created you, that Jesus redeemed you, and that the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. If you don't believe that God is Almighty, you're going to think you have to do it. But the catechism right there says this is all a sovereign act of God. Your salvation is something he does, and he does it in power. He is, Jesus said, he, the hairs of your head are counted. He knows every molecule, every atom in your body. He knows intimately and continually. He knows them and at the same time wills their existence. That's how sovereign the Father is. How much more can he be our shepherd and be the author of our, of our holiness and the author of our success when we trust him? Especially when things seem like chaos or seem totally out of control. Just heard this homily on Mary TV from a, a priest, the Franciscans of the Renewal, and he's from Ireland. Um, just a wonderful wonderful homily, but he's talking about how we need to trust God in every situation, especially when things seem like they're all going really, really badly, um, that God is actually trying to give you something more. He may be asking you to die right now, but like St. Paul said, truly, I have died, and it's Christ who lives within me. The lie is that he's asking you to die to stay dead. The truth is that he's, a seed falls to the ground in order to become many seeds, that's the truth. So you can trust God in that. There's a guy who gave a, a, his testimony on uh, Mary TV, one of the earlier testimonies from Medjugorje. His name was uh, Leatherby, Deacon Dave Leatherby. He was talking about how his whole life was falling to pieces. His wife was you know, leaving him. His kids hated him. They, their car was stolen. All these things happened at the same time. And he was found himself in a chapel just weeping. And a little lady came up to him and said, tapped him on the shoulder and said, Everything that you're crying about right now, like the lady didn't know who he was. She came and tapped him on the shoulder. She said, whatever you're weeping about right now, 
is the answer to your prayers. Whoa! That woman believed in the sovereignty of God. That God is so sovereign and almighty that even on the brink of death, it is actually, it's not so that your, your body will go into the ground and get eaten by maggots. It's so that you will, you're actually being born into eternal life. Like, a, like a, an infant in the womb facing birth, right? They don't know anything but the, but the, um, the womb of their mother. And that's the whole world to them. And the safety there and the love that they experience, the communion they experience, but they don't even know who their mom is. There's this vague presence around them. Maybe not vague, it's very present, but they don't know what she looks like and what, who she is. They just have a communion and it's just purely experiential without like consciously being able to describe what her face is and uh, what her, um, you know, what even what she is having language for it. They just experience their mother. And then they have to face birth. And, and when they pass through birth, it's to this whole new world. They see their mom face to face. They meet their dad. Well, they've heard his voice, but they see him face to face. They're siblings. They see trees and rocks and birds and lions. And they taste ice cream. And, you know, all this comes in time. But it's like there's a whole world out there. It's the same for us who face death. So even if we face death, we can face it with this joy that our God who is so sovereign is actually just bringing me, you know, he has, through Jesus, transformed death into birth, birth into new life. So praise Jesus to trust God, to trust him. Um, in the letter of, uh, let's see, this is in James chapter 2, verse 20 to 24. Do you want to be shown, you shallow man, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by works. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So he's, it's amazing. He's referring back to this and showing how Abraham cooperated with the promise. He trusted God so that even when his only heir was born to him, when God asked him to sacrifice him, he didn't doubt God. He totally trusted God. And then God was bringing him through this story. What did God do? He provided a ram for him. We have this friend, uh, her name's Danielle Rose. She's a singer, beautiful musician, one of the best musicians I've ever heard in my life. And like she describes it like giving birth. She feels like she's giving birth when she when she has a song. Like she gestates it and then gives birth to it and for the Lord. And it's like you're swept into her prayer. It's amazing. But the Lord took music away from her. He brought her into the convent. Okay, so she was with these sisters. And she couldn't sing. She had no voice. Physically, she couldn't sing. And she was told under obedience not to play any music. And that was for like two years. And that is her whole life, his music, it's all of her gifting, everything. So everything she identified with was taken from her. And at the end of those, I think it was two years, she'd correct me. I hope if she ever hears this podcast, I'm sorry, Danielle, if I'm getting something this wrong. But at the end of two years, she discerned she wasn't supposed to make final vows. God had just been like restoring so much in her, building her identity on him, you know, drawing her back to reality and giving uh, just a renewal. She needed that renewal after a long time of ministry. And, um, so, so, so he took music from her. She spent that time just in deep prayer, being renewed, rebuilt, 
in her identity. And then she discerns out after two years, and you know her her mother superior says, "Yeah, you're you're not you're supposed to leave. That's right." And the mother superior says, "We're gonna go take a walk." This is at the very end when she's about to leave. We're gonna take a, a hike in the desert, and you're gonna play a concert for for us for the rest of the sisters. That's gonna be the final thing that you do. So as she go, they go on this hike in the desert, and Daniel's being handed music back. So she had this under obedience, could not play music. It's handed back to her. Her voice has come back, so she can actually sing again, physically. She sings a concert, and as she's singing this concert in the desert, she looks up, and there's a ram on a precipice just across from where they are. She wrote a song about it called Abraham's Offering because Abraham, remember he, when Isaac says, well, you know, they're carrying the wood to go for the sacrifice, and he says, well, Father, what about the sacrifice? What are we going to sacrifice? And Abraham says, God himself will provide the sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? God himself. And then he, as, as the angel stays Abraham's hand, there's a ram caught in the thicket. And he goes and takes it and s- s- offers that as a sacrifice instead of his son. Same with Danielle. She, was give, she trusted God through everything being taken from her. And in her mind, she was going to be a nun, for the re, a religious for the rest of her life with no music, which was, she had totally resigned to. And she was fine with God taking it from her. She trusted him. And there, God himself provided the sacrifice, the ram. And music was handed back to her. It's, you know, the lie is that God is taking something from you when we go through difficult times. The truth is, he actually wants to give you more. He then drew Daniel in right back into ministry. And she then met her husband. She has children now. She's just thriving. She just released a new album on uh, for healing, actually, uh, for moms who have lost babies, either um, through abortion or through miscarriage. Beautiful, beautiful album. Daniel Rose, just uh, Google Daniel Rose. Absolutely beautiful music. And uh, very healing and very, 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 very beautiful. Just, she's amazing. So um, my point is, is this. When it seems like God is, gonna, is taking from you, he's actually preparing you for more. Lou Holtz talk, talks about this. He learned this. He's, uh, that uh, when you have a hard season, it's not that God is trying to punish you. He's actually preparing you for something better. He wants to give you something more. He brings you into the wilderness, right? The wilderness is where you are thirsty and hungry. The lie is that he brings you there to die. He actually brings you there to give you a drink, to bring forth water from the rock. You know, it's uh, Mount Horeb. Horeb is where they, uh, Moses struck the rock and the water came out. Horeb means wasteland, okay? That's what it means in Hebrew. So he brought them out into the waste where there's nothing to die? No. To give them water from a rock so that you believe even more in his power and his sovereignty. To actually give you a drink. A deep drink in power that reveals how much he loves you and how much you can trust him when you're in the midst of very difficult circumstances. You can trust God. That's amazing. So I'm going to give you permission to do something right now. I know I've just touched on this. There is so much more, but I, I want to go. There are so many scriptures. This is what the whole Bible is about. It's a persuasion to bring you back into trusting God from that original um, 
you know, grasping at sakal, grasping at being circumspect. I'll t- I want the mystery without relationship. A persuasion into you actually saying, no, wait a minute, even though I do not understand, I'm going to trust you and let you bring it to me through relationship. Okay, this persuasion, there's so much more. And I can't wait to explain it to you. You're going to love it because it'll blow open scriptures for you that you've never understood and that have never been explained well. Um, this is a, it's just a time. It's, now is the time where God is just pouring out a deeper understanding of scripture and of who he is, of who we are. He's thinning the veil. In, in fact, Jesus is the torn veil. Okay, he, you can peek through Jesus into the upper realm through the upper waters and through Jesus you have access to the holy of holies you have access to the very mind of God St. Paul says you have the mind of Christ amazing and Jesus is everything is reconciled in him everything so I'm just going to give you permission right now whatever battles you're fighting inside of your heart and your mind I'm going to give you permission to hand those over to the Lord and then I'm going to give you permission to worship. Oh, this is amazing. The other day I was praying and I was fighting through my inner battle, you know, and Jesus came to me. It was amazing in my prayer. I'm telling you, he's getting so, he's just been coming in power in my prayer because I've, I've incorporated something into my prayer that I never did before. In my private prayer, where I did a lot of silent prayer, prayed the rosary, a lot of contemplative prayer, a lot of scripture. But now I'm incorporating praise. So maybe an hour of praise, sometimes two hours of praise, and letting that praise then turn into worship. Worship is where you're just loving on Jesus just, just for him. You know, praise is like thanking him for wonderful things that he's done and for his glory and his majesty. That's praise, praising him for because he's God and because he's done so much for us and thanking him. But then worship is just loving him for him. Um, gosh, I was thinking about this with my, like with, with my wife. You know, when I sit with my wife and we have that exchange of love, we'll just be sitting next to each other and a deep exchange of love will happen. And no words are spoken. And it just is. I'm just loving her because she exists. Because she is who she is and I know her. And I love her. And I've chosen that. That love did not exist before we had difficult times. There had to be a shift from my um, loving her because she was beautiful, loving her because I was attracted to her, because the way she smelled, the way she looked, the way she talked, um, because of desire, you know, my uh, the, compl- the complementarity between man and woman and desire that happens there, right? All the chemical reactions and all. There's that. But then there's this love where somebody has broken your heart. <laughs> and you've gone through gri- uh, wonderful times and really hard times, and then you've forgiven each other, and you've chosen to stay with each other. And that love is like, I just love you because you exist and I am accustomed to you and I know you and I love you. And it, there's no, it, there's nothing beyond that. Okay, there's no reason. There's no reason that I love you. It's just, I have chosen to love you. And I know what I'm loving now, right? And of course, her, she can say the same thing reciprocally to me. So there's a depth of love. It's the new wine that's why um, Jesus changed water into wine. 
on a, at the wedding feast because there's this new wine that um, that only comes it's the remember the, the the host says you have reserved the better wine for last that's what comes when love shifts from a place of like uh, in Greek it's the phileo love when it shifts from phileo to agape agape is like I love you even if when I'm when you make me suffer I love you I love you no matter what that's the kind of love Jesus has for us it's when love shifts to the will I love you because I've chosen you you know that's why God called the people of the Old Testament my chosen people because they did not make him all happy and full of joy all the time. They betrayed him over and over again, but he redeemed them because he had chosen them. He made an irrevocable oath to them. So that when love resides in the will, a depth is there. It is beautiful, and there's a trust that comes because I know what I'm loving now. Um, what am I getting at with this? That kind of love is worship. When you can love God like that, like, Lord, I'm with you whether I'm in consolation or desolation. Either one. I love you. And oftentimes we receive, what do they, what do they say? Like the Eastern Fathers say, like when you're getting nothing out of prayer and it's actually darkness and your, your prayer is so dry, it's awful, you know. Hold on to the uh, scaffolding of prayer. Hold on to the scaffolding of prayer. And, and, Keep through it because God is like what? He's stretching your heart, kind of giving you new wineskin so he can pour in new wine. It's, it's to come. He's bringing you through something so that he can give you something better. In that time, instead of me, I'm with you, Lord, because you make me feel so wonderful and you, you, you fulfill all my dreams, there's no reason. I'm with you because I have chosen you, Lord. Actually, there's a lot of reasons why I would do something else right now because I feel like crud, you know? But I'm going to stay here for you. When I'm having consolation, I'm that's when you're there for me, Lord. But when I'm praying, even though I'm in desolation, I feel nothing. Now I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Lord. I'm here for you. And so in that time, especially when things are going really, really wrong, Lord, I trust you. It's deepening our trust. You can make an act of the will. You have the power in your will to say, I trust you, Lord. I praise you because you're doing something even better than what I could imagine. You're preparing me for something better. I trust you, Lord, and you can praise him for it. I praise you and I thank you for what you're doing. I may be miserable right now, but you want to know what, Lord? I love you because I have chosen you. I am with you whether I'm getting something out of it or not. Whether life is going well or life is going horribly, I'm with you, Lord. I love you, Lord. That kind of love is the better wine. You have saved the better wine for a second. You know, usually someone serves the better wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, the lesser wine. But you have saved the better wine for a second. That's when the better wine comes. A deeper love and this kind of, and then things, you get breakthrough. Breakthrough comes then. Freedom comes then. Freedom. Freedom comes from trust. We're coming close to uh, July 4th. Freedom. In America, we value freedom. Do you know that freedom comes from trust? I asked the Lord one time, I said, how can I be free? Because you talk about freedom, 
but I know nothing and you know everything. I'm always wrong and you're always right. How is that freedom? You know what God said to me? This is what he said to me in my prayer. He just spoke it in my inner, you know, God speaks to you through you. He just spoke it out in my brain, in my imagination. Freedom comes when both parties trust each other 100%. That's what he said. He said, when I trust you totally and you trust me totally, that's when freedom comes. Isn't that gorgeous? When I trust you and you trust me, freedom, trust, and love, they're just like wrapped up in one thing. Just like um, breath, life, and love. Like communicating, right? God speaks and I believe him. He's communicating. He is communing, communication, words, breath, communion, like the intermingling of me and God. It happens by hearing him and believing him. How do you believe? Oh, there's so much more here. And um, I can't wait to talk more about it, but I've got to let you go because I promised that 10 minutes ago and I didn't do it. Okay, so to trust God, thank you for being patient with me. I love you all. I cannot wait to talk to you again. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some stuff that is really exciting to hear in the next podcast. So please come back. Listen to the last ones if you haven't. They're really good. I'm going to tell you, these podcasts are not to try and get you to memorize a bunch of stuff or a bunch of Hebrew words or it's to persuade you that by the end of listening, you're persuaded that God loves you. You're unburdened. You've been brought into um, just this, uh, a way of thinking that is, it's a renewal of the mind that will transfigure you. So light will shine from your face because you are so loved and because you can now, wait a minute, in my situation right now, I can trust God. I can trust him. Oh, okay. And so lastly, we're going to do this. We're going to do what that priest did in the in the um, Medjugorje uh, homily. His name is Father Oshin Martin. It's uh, He's Irish. Oshin, O-I-S-I-N, uh, Martin. And uh, this prayer is just absolutely beautiful. So we're just going to close our eyes. And I want you to imagine Jesus of the divine mercy in front of you. And he's staring at you. He's looking with joy at you. He has joy. He has fire in his eyes. But he has that joy behind the face, that light behind his face. And his hands are stretched forward and they're cupped. They're together and they're cupped so that you can, he can receive something from you. You can hand things to him. His hands are waiting to receive from you. And right now you're going to think, what is your biggest problem? What is the huge insurmountable or just what is the biggest problem? What is the distress on your heart? Whatever that problem is for you right now, let it just come to you. Let it well up in your heart and your mind. And you're just going to hand that to him and put it into his cupped hands. Now you're going to take your spouse or your future spouse and you're going to put them into the hands of Jesus right now. Now think of each one of your children and place them into the hands of Jesus, into his cupped hands, or your future children if you have no children, or whatever children you care about. 
Let's take your mortgage, your work, your neighbor, anything else that's bothering you, place it in the hands of Jesus right now. Now we're going to take yourself, your whole self. You're going to put yourself in the hands of Jesus. Your past, your whole past, everything. Place it in his hands. Everything good, everything bad. The whole story of your life. Your present situation. Place it in Jesus' hands. Your whole future. Place it in his hands right now. Whether you succeed or fail, your the journey of your life, where you're headed, place it in his hands. And now we're going to pray this prayer. Jesus, so re repeat after me. Jesus, I surrender everyone to you. I surrender all authority I have over these people. I ask you, Jesus, to take control. You are God. Let anything happen to them as long as they go to heaven. I surrender my entire life to you, Jesus. Take from me whatever you want and give back what you want me to have. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, guys. I love you. I love spending this time with you. I can't wait for the next podcast. There is more. There is more. Come back. And uh, uh, yeah, until next time, shadow on the water. Shadow on the water.